I've, I've been hearing about this tech. Uh, we'll start kicking ass with a book. It's drying up. It's drying up quick if the distributors don't even have any. Welcome back to the Win It In podcast. Today is episode 15. We have our usual beautiful co-host, Jonathan Wyatt. How are we doing? Hey, Gabe. Doing well. How are you? Very well. And then we also have a special guest today, the Market Watch analysis data guy himself, Stackswell. How are we doing? I'm fantastic. What's going on, gamers? Not a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Today, I'm Gabe Honstein, and I will be the host, and we'll be talking about mostly market updates and what we're doing in our off-season and how we're preparing, getting ready, and cards that we're planning on buying or selling. So let's start off with you, Jonathan. How was Thanksgiving holiday break? Uh, yeah, so been enjoying this off-season. Um, you know, Thanksgiving just passed, so um, got to spend some time with my family, which is kind of nice, but um, also just kind of wrapping up my... My Pokemon journey in uh, Pokemon Violet. So, um, you know, just as I mentioned before, the game's not that great. Um, so, but, you know, you got to play it because it's Pokemon. <laughs> right. Totally fair. <laughs> so other than that, um, yeah, just kind of been hanging out, um, watching just what's going on with Flesh and Blood, got the competitive team league, and then just buying some cards um, here and there. Oh, very nice. Very nice. How about for yourself, Stacksville? Do we have any big plans for this break? Uh, no, I mean, I've been doing a lot of playing on Talashare, the Team League, uh, Locals. I haven't slowed down or skipped a beat at all in this offseason. I've just been grinding, and uh, nice. I don't plan on slowing down. I normally play aggro decks, so in this offseason, I've been playing Icelander, and I'm Ooh, having okay. a lot of fun nice with switch. it. It's actually a deck that makes me want to wake up and play Flesh and Blood, so... <laughs> Yeah, the, I mean, Icelander's got a deck that has, like, a lot of advantages, and it allows you to choose uh, really interesting plays uh, during your opponent's cycle, which is actually kind of nice and extremely disruptive. Um, so I think that with Michael Hamilton winning, now everyone kind of has to play mm -hmm. it. So uh, it yeah. is kind of the deck to to be looking at. What other decks do you, do you kind of play um, outside of Icelander? Uh, like I said, typically I just play aggro, so Fi and Briar are, like, the two decks I identify the most with. Did you play uh, with uh, Fire Briar during the last uh, major event that you went to? Uh, yeah, I played Briar at uh, at the Calling for Worlds, but my Sonata Arcanixes did not like me when it mattered most. <laughs> two of them back to back. Oh, that's the worst. So. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of did it to myself. There was probably some other things I could have done, but I missed two Sonatas and a Briar Mirror, and he lived by one Ooh. at the end of it all. So I'm sure that game could have been one in another way even with missing those but i don't know yeah but when they hit it's just That's magic fair. right so <laughs> yeah do you play tome in your deck then um uh the tome of the Arknight. if you're fi filling no, the sonata no, train I don't. <laughs> okay. but it, actually it was a good learning experience for me because now i don't just sonata if i could help it i i only like to pitch two into it and then like i'll save a blue pitch two sonata for four just to give myself a little bit better odds so, I mean, I'm still learning. I'm still a new player. I just started playing when, uh, just right before Uprising came out. So, I, I still have a long way to go. I won't say I'm an expert by any means. Cool. That's awesome, then. Was uh, Briar your first deck that you got into when you yeah. first started playing? Yeah. Nice. Very good. Jonathan, how about for yourself? Do you have any new decks that you're going to be rolling into with this new offseason and then upcoming yeah. season three? So I'm looking at quite a few decks. Um, a lot of them just kind of around older heroes based off of what Dynasty kind of released. I would say that um, for me, probably the most uh, interesting hero, I think, would probably be the uh, 
Kano. So that's that's the hero Kano. that I'm looking to test with. Oh, that's awesome. What um what cards make you want to go that route? Um yeah, here. Um we'll just go through the list real quick. Um probably first and foremost um was probably Aether Quickening. I thought that was kind of interesting as a way to kind of um, generate an on-hit of um, go again. And if you pull it off the top of your deck, it creates an action point if it's still your turn, right? Yeah. So I think that's kind of cool, especially when you're also wanting to, to mix with wizard cards that you can play from hand. So um, I think just the surge mechanic in general is kind of what I'm looking for. Um, and I also just really like the uh, sat promo that uh, <laughs> right. Team Covenant got. So, Kano, have you got to play any matchups with him yet in person? Uh, not really. I'm still waiting for my cards to come in. So uh, that's kind of been my my first issue with Dynasty is just uh, being able to get a hold of product in my area. Um, you okay. know, uh, this is like the first time I've ever really deviated in a big way from my, my normal pattern. Um, just because I wanted to focus on buying singles. Um, and yeah, you know, it's, I would only recommend doing that during an off season because it kind of sucks <laughs> right now, just kind of twiddling my thumbs. Definitely. So just because it's the off season, is that why you decided to deviate or did anything else in particular happen that made you want to change the way things run? Uh, you mean just with the buying sets in general? Well, I, I think the big yeah. thing is just like, uh, I, I was buying like, five cases around um a set that came out um okay. and sometimes more uh so just with the way that like uh you know set after set it was just like okay oh yeah it gets a lot especially once they start bumping well, well it was expensive right and then the way they kind of handled fab 1.0 <laughs> wasn't yeah, yeah it wasn't fantastic. And uh, yeah, so I've kind of reeled back and I'm trying to make uh, smarter decisions, I guess you would say, um, with what I'm purchasing. So um, nice. just buying singles, sticking to, to nine foils. I'm, I'm going up uh, to Majestics and Cold Foils for like certain certain items that I just really absolutely need to need have because of the class. But um, mm -hmm. outside of that, I'm not really looking to buy every single card uh, in the set anymore. Nice. How about free stacks? Well, do you have any? Did you buy cases, or did you plan on just buying singles for the set? I typically stay away from cases. Uh, Flesh and Blood's kind of unique in that the cases are actually fun to open. Like it's very flavorful, and there's a lot going on, you know. So I mm -hmm. do like get a case every set, but that's more for like just the fun of opening it than the economic than the economic value. Because I know it's just not there. You're not going to make your money back on a case typically. So I try and stay away from it and just buy singles as much as I can. Yeah, I we have a friend that uh, moved to Japan recently, and he was talking about how um, at his local game store, what they typically do in Japan is they buy one box for the gamble, and then they'll just buy singles for everything else, which I think is kind of interesting because, you know, I think in Flesh and Blood, everyone kind of tries to buy the case yeah. and then get the singles because of the legendary, but... Um, I kind of like the idea of buying like one to two boxes just for the gamble aspect, but um, yeah, just kind of an interesting thought. Oh yeah, most definitely. Well, especially like if you can get the cases that have the exclusive promos or playmats or sleeves, like that kind of makes it feel a little better, I think. Yeah, and 
kind of to piggyback on like the case the general case topic i i know that most people kind of buy the one case because of the uh the the legendary essentially mm -hmm. but i think kind of one of the the continuing problems that have happened with flesh and blood in general for me is just the the collation of these uh cases um sometimes you'll get cases that don't have a legendary at all and uh that just absolutely mm -hmm. sucks um, but then sometimes you also get those cases that have four legendaries in them magically. Um, and that's kind of still been an issue with the game. And I, I, you know, I hope that they can fix that eventually. I think that um, just when you randomize packs in general, you're, you're always going to have that kind of issue, human error. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, like, uh, I think that's kind of the, also one of the reasons why it's worth it to gamble on the case, because you might hit that that four legendary case on opening weekend. So. Which would be so sweet. I mean, that happened to us in person at Worlds when um, we opened that one case of, uh, what was it, Uprising? Oh, yeah. Remember at the very end of yeah, things? Yeah, there were like two flame scale like, furnaces, like Coronet's yeah. Peak and uh, something else. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's kind of like the worth it aspect of, uh, you know, purchasing a case on the release of any set. And also, I think mm -hmm. a lot of the hype generated around the, uh, the Marble Emperor was uh yeah yeah that that also kind of brought some excitement to people opening up product so well yeah that thing's what sitting at twelve hundred dollars right now that's like a crazy pull if you can hit that that's that's more than rent right there <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a doozy uh I, it is kind of high priced in my opinion uh especially considering that oh, yeah. playability is a huge factor in the pricing of cards so right now, I think the only thing that's holding up the price is uh, essentially the uh, the rarity factor right now. But uh, I think mm -hmm. as people, you know, slowly realize and start playing more and more Blitz with this hero, that um, yeah, it's just not really super playable right now. So that's fair. That's fair. No, I think I definitely like the art of it. I like being able to flip it backwards, but I just don't think that can be justified <laughs> for the price. So I would agree. You yeah, know? the cold foil emperor is—it's uh, good enough, right? That's that's the thing. Yeah, it's good enough, and those are pretty cheap at the moment too. So yeah, I mean, potatoes, potatoes. Yeah, kind of interesting. Um, so for yeah, go oh for yeah, it. so just kind of uh, wanted to ask you in general, Stackswell, what do you think of uh, the dynasty set uh, as it is now, um, based off of what you're kind of doing as a market watch? Uh, I don't. I wasn't around for the other supplemental sets, but just like looking at the market and the way things are with this set, it feels very similar to like Everfest in that there's just not, not a lot of value there. Like if you look at all the legendaries, there's like one playable one maybe, and it's the Black Tech Whisperers. And then that card is only playable in a deck that's not even tier one, you know? So it's like the whole top end of this set is just bad. And then the bottom end of this set, or like the Majestics and stuff, it's like, there's some good Brute cards, but how good is even Brute? There's good Azalea cards, but how good is Azalea? Like, I don't know, the set just didn't, didn't feel like it had the impact I wanted it to have. But it's a supplemental set, so I don't know if that's like the intended effect of the set, you know? Yeah, I don't think they want anything to be game-breaking uh, on the release of these sets. Uh, they did give like some, some nice little power cards to help even out the curve for like these lesser played heroes. But even then, as you're kind of mentioning, it's it's not a lot. Um, but kind of interested in your opinion, since uh, I think all three of us here are actually uh, pretty big Briar players. So um, <laughs> I've, I've been hearing about this tech, and I just wanted to get uh, 
anything if you guys have been keeping your ear to the ground on the crown of dominion uh cash in tech that uh people are running in briar lately i don't think i know this one yet so i'm i'm all ears oh uh, well uh it's not just a it's not just a briar tech it's also a uh, rune blade tech because some people are looking to expand upon it and viscerai as well but that's i think it's a little too hyphy for me but essentially um <laughs> What you're doing is that since you're essentially you're switching it out for Crown of Providence, which is the two damage mm -hmm. and can you know counter against a, a CNC, but with CNC pummel being a thing, it may not be counterable. Um, but also just with Crown of Dominion, you create a gold token and you just wait for your cash in to hit, and mm -hmm. then it's a one for two cards essentially, and it gets you halfway to your embodiment of lightning token, so um, it can get you. <laughs> I like it can get this. you more than two damage worth of um, of value, right? Of block value. Yeah. Actually go multiply out and attack value. So um, it also, if you don't get the cash in, you can also just pitch a blue um, mm -hmm. to, to pay for the gold token and then draw a card off of that as well. So you still have one resource floating, uh, the gold breaks, and then, yeah, get a draw a card. So um, just with how many blues you're also running, it's just another... Another interesting thought. Um, no, that's awesome. Do you play just a one of for cash in then? Since you only have one gold? It seems that's the case right now. Um, it, it does sound okay. like it's more in the exploratory phase, but it is something that I've been... I like that though. That's yeah, fun. I've heard a little bit more about it recently. <laughs> that's really fun. <laughs> so, What are your thoughts on it, Staxwell? Uh, I don't know if I'd, if I'd play it all the time. I do think it sounds like an interesting sideboard against decks that um provenance isn't good against like against the kano you know that seems like it could work and then uh, another thing to note is that the gold costing two could be paid for with aether iron weave mm -hmm. yeah i feel mm -hmm. like uh for me like crown of dominion if i were to play it in briar just from looking in on it now i'd probably play it in like more aggro matchups just yeah. because no, like, i mean yeah you... you can just sift through your deck a little bit faster well, if you play against five, where they're never going to block. If you can get that five card hand, six card hand, it's this is game. Yeah, I'm not so you sure. Your channel in those matchups, so I mean, it kind of. I mean, it, it it doesn't sound terrible. I haven't tested it, so I don't know, but. I mean, it sounds awesome. So if you are looking at like a Crown of Dominion, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, that that is something that Briar players are looking into right now. But I will say that um, this is kind of our last season with her. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't that so yeah, sad? That's so, true. That's so sad. So, so are both? Oh, yeah, just sorry. give her one last, give her with the last one last tech to go with, right? Get one last ride, <laughs> make it crazy. <laughs> oh god, that's too fun. Yeah. I'm gonna miss her. Oh man, um, I mean, she's in Blitz though, so we could still play her in Blitz, right? We could do yeah. crazy tech in Blitz. Less cards, that means we'll see it quicker. Yeah, I think that's also what I was thinking of, just because you also have the guaranteed eleven equipment sideboard. So, um, you know, if there is kind of that empty spot, you can you can use that. The only thing that I would say would be in contention with that is probably some spell void equipment. But uh, sure. I'm sure that there's a way that anyone could make it work, especially if this is the new tech. So I just thought that was kind of interesting um, just in general. But yeah, Crown of Dominion is, at least for me, looking like the only legendary that I'm buying right now. Um, so, okay. I haven't bought a single legendary yet. <laughs> like, 
I was looking at buying the Black Tech Whispers, but I was going to wait until ProQuest Season 3 is over to see if they go up or down. But I haven't committed to any cards in the set yet, minus a couple commons. Yeah, I would have to say that I'm, I'm actually avoiding Assassin the most right now. Just because of how overpriced everything is. Um, I, I feel like a lot of people look at the card and or the cards that are available and they, they like the novelty of the hero, but um, I don't know, in theory the the hero just doesn't look as strong as other as other heroes. So I could be proven wrong, but uh, I feel like a lot of the pricing is just the novelty of the, the class. Mm -hmm. No, I would agree completely. Yeah, um, same. The it's actually funny you mentioned the Crown of Dominion because I think that's like the Marvel one specifically. I think is like the one good pickup from this set because that's the one that I see is like the most like future potential. Like they're not just gonna give up on the royal mechanic and they're not gonna give up on gold synergies anytime soon. So I think I, I agree. Yeah, moving forward, I think that's the pickup is specifically the Marvel one. Yeah, upstart Goblin, right? <laughs> right <laughs> Derek <yeah>. Mattel <laughs> keeps talking about it, right? So I, I think it's I, I think that's just kind of a, a a good thing to get into, and especially with Briar, uh, I've definitely I've definitely looked towards that card a little bit um, more recently this set. Otherwise, I've been looking towards the Wizard cards, uh, the Brute cards, and uh, some of the Runeblade cards. But I know that Runeblade's just kind of Eh, right now. It's a lost cause now. Maybe, maybe. Maybe, I don't know. It's sad just watching Briar fail. Yeah, off. we'll start kicking ass with a book, so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Oh, God. Yeah, you never know. So, while I've... Yeah. Um, while you've done the market watch so far for this most recent one, Saxwell, like... So, you talked about the Crown of Dominion, but do you think there's, like, a specific class in general that might be undervalued right now? Or do you think it's all still just trending downwards? Uh, I guess the Emperor is undervalued if you consider that a class. $11 for a Legendary, I feel, that card's gonna be okay, broken crazy, one right? day. Like it's so, it's bad right now, but they're just gonna keep printing more Warrior Wizard cards and they're gonna forget that that card exists. And then one day there's just gonna be a broken synergy and that card's gonna break bloods. <laughs> it is kind of interesting yeah. with like Flesh and Blood 2.0. It's like we have the, the Emperor Rainbow Foil Legendary that's like a $12 card. The Spirit of uh, Irina, that's a $19 mm -hmm. card for the Rainbow Foil Legendary, and Suraya is a $20 card for her Legendary Rainbow Foil. So it's like, I, I don't know, like all the Legendaries that are out, they're like super dirt cheap for the the lower end versions of them. So that is that is kind of nice as a, as a player, but um, it, also, it also feels like you have to hit majestic or high or not majestic marvel or higher in order to really get get the value that you want out of this set so it's i don't know i i i, I take issue with this set in more ways than that but it it is a concern right now is that yeah opening the sets don't really seem no, very viable I, agree. I mean it could just feel bad you hit that one case with not even a legendary in it and it's just this <laughs> game over I almost feel like there's too much stuff in it. There's too many rarities at this point. Um, so mm -hmm. um, I think that's probably a, a good way to kind of segment the topic into and, and push into this. So one of the things that I've kind of taken issue with uh, specifically mm -hmm. with this set, uh, and I, I know that this may be kind of like a controversial opinion uh, just in general, but there are four cards that they created a rainbow foil version a cold foil version and a marvel version so that's the emperor the crown of dominion the nitro mechanoid and soraya 
So all four of those cards have three different versions in them. Mm -hmm. And one of the issues I take with it is just that there's three different rarities of the same cards. And that just, that's a lot to jumble up into, you know, one booster box in general, in my opinion, you know, just 12 different versions. So that's, that's partial one of the issues I take. But the second issue I take with that in general is that um, the only policy that Flesh and Blood or LSS has basically taken with sets in general was around the cold foil policy. And my question just kind of revolves around, well, what is Marvel versus the cold foil? Because we know regular cold foil is what that looks like. But since they're printing cards with that same kind of rarity type within the same set, does that does that mean that they're separate things? Or does that mean that they're the same thing? Um, so, like, I guess the question that I have is, like, for any older cold foil variant, is there still the possibility of it being reprinted in Marvel? Yes. <laughs> I think <laughs> yes. I think Command & Conquer kind of confirms it, right? Like, I like, would you be surprised if they reprinted, or not reprinted, newly freshly printed a Marvel <laughs> Spring Tuning? Like, that would be something oh, I could yeah. see them doing. Yeah, and, like, that's... Like one of the questions that I've just kind of asked people in general um, when when looking at this policy is how would you feel if they printed a Japanese Welcome to Wraith where all of the cold foil cards were printed in Marvel? And it was only a Japanese print set, so it'd be Japanese language. How would, how would you feel about that product? If you're asking me personally, I, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't care for it. That would be a slap in the face, I guess, to collectors. Yeah, I think it. I think it absolutely would be a slap in the face for collectors. So, um, just in general, I would like for LSS to to kind of state out like how they're handling the Marvel versus Cold Foil policy because I think with this set, it really confuses some of that some of that ground a little bit for for the four cards I was speaking of specifically um, that they printed both rarities in a single set so like what does that mean does that mean that they can do that again or um for older sets can they can they reprint marvel versions like for instance the tunic and that would be a huge slap in the face for people so i would love for lss to kind right. of um give out their opinions on that policy especially considering that mtg30 has brought up interesting conversations with with magic um around similar reprint policies so i think um basically solidifying uh, how they're going to basically um, be producing in the future, I think that would be very helpful. Well, I want some clarification on their reprint policy anyway, because didn't they say that they wanted to make every reprint uglier than the last? Yeah, no, most definitely. They said that, right? Mm -hmm. I remember that. So then why is Command & Conquer favored? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And then... I thought that before. I, I mean, if the argument is, oh, well, Command & Conquer is... Uh, a completely new card it's it's the fabled command and conquer new art whatever then it's like uh, what's what precedent does that set you know and then even with the last set scar for scar because haven't they already printed scar for scar white border so then they reprinted it back to black in, in uprising which then can get foil no no it didn't come foil in uprising it didn't no so that's but okay. still it went back to black so is the possibility there for us to get a black border tunic again yeah, it's an interesting question because, like, I, I know before Dynasty came out, the question was like, would they reprint with, with the rumors that a Command and Conquer Fabled 
was going to exist, the question that I came up with instantly was, well, can they, can that fabled come in rainbow foil? Oh, right, yeah. So that was, that was really my only question. I mean, it is what it is. LSS is going to decide what they want to do with the Command and Conquer. I don't agree with what they did, um, personally, because it being like the first actual playable fabled, um, you know, and it's just the most playable card in the game. Uh, yeah, it's just that it's almost an obtainium at this point. So, um, <laughs> honestly, that's my that's like probably one of my only issues with the game is just is I want to I want to own everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think it's a good pickup to pick up the Command and Conquers? Or, so I mean, like, there's never gonna be that many on the market at all times with it just being the favorite. Not at four fifty a card. Because you need at least three. I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't pick it up. Like people, people buy those kind of cards long term, like way later down the line, uh, based on nostalgia. And they're not going to look at this art of Command and Conquer and think like, "Oh, that's flesh and blood." You know, they're going to look at the OG Command and Conquer, and that's mm -hmm. going to be Command and Conquer to everyone. This is not Command and Conquer to everyone. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because, like, at four fifty for one fabled Command and Conquer, while it is cold foil, and that's that's really cool. Um, I mean, you could just go back and buy the first edition playset. So three, I mean, three of them for the same price. Yeah, like even looking at like uh, Pokemon, you know, when you think of Charizard, the card Charizard, there's been so many Charizards printed, but you only think of that one art. You only think of that one art for Blue Eyes by Dragon. You like those original arts. The, the nostalgia art is like what people want. I I, I don't think Command this Command and Conquer is going to do well long term. Yeah, it is kind of interesting, like, just with the, the Flesh and Blood 2.0, how they're kind of going with the rarities now. So I wonder I wonder if Command & Conquer was almost kind of like a test to see, like, well, what's the appetite for this kind of card if we reprinted an older version in a Fabled? So maybe they could do right. something with Enlightened Strike, but in my opinion, I think that would also just be another miss. So, um, <coughs> yeah, just overall... Um, yeah, just one of those things I just don't agree with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't want to talk just talk down on uh, on Dynasty. <laughs> I do like all the rarities. I do like the Marvels, like this set, like these Fab 2.0 sets are, in my opinion, significantly more fun to open from like a, I don't know, from like a flavor perspective than the older like Welcome to Wraith and stuff like that. I think these sets are a lot cooler, and a lot more hidden gems within it, I guess you could say. Yeah, for sure. And I think some of the thing, like some of the reasons why it may seem a little negative is just because of like the boredom of like there being an off season as well. So it's just we have, right. you know, we, we have a lot more time to like kind of think and mull over these topics uh, that have kind of just been sitting in the background. So just kind of revisiting that during an off season, um, you know, it may seem as like a little a little overly negative. Um, but yeah, I think I think these sets are never really meant to be like the sets that are supposed to blow people away. Um, these mm. sets are basically used to shore up any problems that have essentially happened throughout the year, of, like the meta changing. So um, these sets aren't aren't supposed to like you know make the make the waters just real crazy right now. So <laughs> right, yeah, just beef up the classes. Um, so I got a topic that's a little more different if we're cool to switch over because um, we're talking about collecting cards right now and just the viability of Flesh Blood 2.0. But I want to bring it back to Flesh Blood like 1.0 or just the classics, the original of Welcome to Wraith Alpha as well as the first edition of Ark. 
because I was looking at the prices earlier today. Um, so like, I don't know if you guys know much about the print runs of either of those, but the data is public it's out like there. It's like 16.7. Um, on the money, yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, for both of them. So both sets had that many boxes, but the price discrepancy between each is like three grand per box almost. <laughs> Right, and I've been looking. I, I I love this game too much. That's I'm addicted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good. Like, cause what are your thoughts about like so like the last sold Alpha box for like you know Welcome to Wraith sold for thirty four hundred, but the last sold Arcane First Edition box sold for twelve seventy five. I mean, yeah, I've always thought that Arcane Rising would probably be the box that I would rather purchase if I if I was confronted mm -hmm. with buying two of Arcane Rising or one of uh, Welcome to Wraith. <laughs> right? um you know welcome to wraith the thing that carries is as the first which i guess is a mm -hmm. huge deal but if you're looking for for value as an investment i would definitely tell you to go arcane rising route since it is the sim front run um also i just like i have a fidia as a fable but um so since cool. i would want to be so cool since i would want to be opening them i wouldn't really be buying them as an investment but yeah um I think it just kind of hurts that these Welcome to Wraith booster boxes, they keep on rising in price, but uh, yeah, it it doesn't seem to make sense for me on the first edition side, but um, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I think the, what do you think, Staxwell? I think the WTR versus Arcane Rising debate kind of goes back to what I was saying about Charizard. It's the, it's, it's, it's the first one, you know, it's Tunic. <laughs> no one remembers like what came out in the second Pokemon set. I couldn't tell you. But we all know where Charizard came from. That was the first one. You know? We all know where Blue Eyes White Dragon came from. That was the first set. So I, I think it will always just be more expensive just on that alone. Those iconic cards like Tunic, E-Strike, Mask of Momentum, those are the Charizards of this game. So you're telling me that Mr. Mime from Jungle wasn't a big deal to you? No. <laughs> See, I didn't even know it came in Jungle, so I don't know. Oh, man. Oh, that's funny. I'm... I'm Dude, I'm well, super old school. I'm just showing my age now. <laughs> I was about to say, I was like, I know Jonathan knows the second set. He'll say it by heart. Oh. But like, so even like Unlimited, so Unlimited Welcome to Earth boxes are 58, but the ARC ones are like 120 now. So it's like, it's completely swapped when it comes to the Unlimited version. I think the Unlimited WTR is so undervalued right now. Right? Dude, I talked to one of my LGSs and... uh I'm like, let me get a case of WTR. He's like, oh, I don't have any, but I'll talk to my distributor for you. And mm -hmm. he got back to me a few days later. He's like, yeah, my distributor doesn't even have any. Really? So that's like a sign, you know, like it's drying up. It's drying up quick if the distributors don't even have any. All right, we're going to need to cut this segment so that I can. Yeah, all right. We need to keep let me Let me buy <laughs> let me buy my case and then we'll, we'll talk about it again. Give me one second. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I do think you're right um, with that. Um, I mean, just kind of, you know, talking along with that subject is like, my question is with Unlimited being over and, you know, Fab 2.0, you know, we, we've been in it for a considerable amount of time. At what point do we get the print run numbers of these like Unlimited Welcome to Wraith, Arcane Rising and Crucible of War sets? Because like, I think to me that will help paint another picture along with, you know, First Edition Monarch and First Edition Tales that yeah, it could set a fr the market in a frenzy or it could be, hey, you know, these products have dried up. And like, so that means that basically what happened to Monarch and Tails, like that there might not be as much product there, something like that. 
Um, so I am interested to seeing what when they're going to release those numbers and what they're saying. But um, yeah, it couldn't happen any quicker. I'm hoping they do something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just on that on that unlimited uh, WTR being too cheap, like. I don't know, those cards, those iconic cards like Tunic and E-Strike and Heart of Fendal, like I could see Tunic being a $1,000 card. Like that's not even unrealistic to me, the Rainbow's Tunic being a 1000 and uh, E-Strike being like $200 for just like a non-foil one. Like I could see all of that stuff happening. Yeah, That'd be crazy. I mean, just with uh, with the world's ending, um, Heart of Fiendel and Fiendel Spring Tunic both kind of saw rises in their price. Um, yeah. that we're testing upward limits but um you know they're still kind of high priced but um it it does go to show that there's not a lot out there so um i think there is opportunity there especially on the unlimited side um for for a while i was kind of wondering why enlightened strike was staying around 20 dollars a pop when right when right. all i picked up a set of foil for 40 dollars each foils not even like a month ago wow that's crazy yeah and it's like that's the thing is like usually the thing that drives price down is playability but the ultim icelander and Fi were all playing three copies of enlightened strike yeah so were all the roadbacks it's like a three of in almost every deck <laughs> yeah that was like something that the market just wasn't i guess ready for but i i yeah that was kind of like a really good buying opportunity just kind of in the recent past that um kind of shocked me myself so yeah i mean i guess my only regret on that is not getting more <laughs> all right <laughs> that, that seems to be a, oh a constant sure. regret in this game right so <laughs> you got to get more so like right yeah with that being said like um you know outside of dynasty are there any sets that you're looking towards as like possible buying opportunities or um wtr unlimited <laughs> yeah even even selling opportunities like are there are, yeah what are your buys and what are your sells right now um are you you're saying like what set would i sell if i had them all sealed you're saying or like what what not necessarily sell in your personal collection but what are you what do you think is something that's probably overvalued or undervalued i guess is yeah assassin cards are overvalued <laughs> i don't think those should be anywhere near what they are uh like when skullbone crosswrap is rainbow foil is only like 30 dollars and how is black tech whispers hundred dollars for the rainbow it doesn't really add up to me when they're both like on a similar power level those decks i guess just because it's new but uh I, th I think all that stuff's overvalued yeah don't you just love that the cold foil mask of perdition is two hundred dollars <laughs> yeah and so surgical, like surgical extraction non-foil is like what 35 40 something like that it's ridiculous yeah. yeah but uh definitely overvalued uh i think a lot of the cards uh, in WTR, like the rares and commons, also Arcane Rising, are undervalued. Like uh, Foil Snatch, Foil Ravenous Rabble, Foil uh, Snapdragon Scalers, things like that. Like we've seen um, Sink Below, that's the card I'm thinking of, go to like $20 for a Rainbow Foil. I don't mm -hmm. know if you guys seen that. And I'm almost certain Snatch is going to take the same route, Ravenous Rabble is going to take the same route. These cards are timeless to me. And even if they become bad, Snatch will still be one of those cards that's just iconic, you know? Especially if you have a pink one. <laughs> yeah, funny that you mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so like, during this offseason, I myself, um, you know, for, for the most part, like, how I categorize things in the sell category, a lot of, like, what I think is going to go down in price and what I think is typically overvalued kind of revolves around Dynasty, unfortunately, just because it's, like, 
uh, as you mentioned, assassin. But then, like, when I'm looking towards opportunities to buy right now, um, what I've actually been pushing towards a little bit more is just that um, Welcome to Wraith Alpha, the the pink foil or not the the pink strip card. So I've been buying foils and non foils of those cards as often as I can, um, just because you know seeing the pink strip at the top, I think uh, you know it definitely. It definitely generates a specific reaction from people. Um, I and I, no, yeah, no, it's a good pickup. To all the pieces. Yeah, I think to your to your point, just in general with Welcome to Wraith Unlimited, uh, you know, Alpha is just going to have that timeless feel for people. And if 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 what we believe of more Magic people are going to be joining Flesh and Blood and be looking to to put their money and park their money into our game, I think that that would also be somewhere that someone would be interested in, whether they have the money. And I think. Considering that some of these cards you can get for less than five dollars a piece, um, yeah, I think I think it doesn't take too long for people to realize that chasing the rainbow foil deck for every single hero, uh, you know, the money that could be saved in just getting the non-foil version and putting your money into like Welcome to Wraith Alpha or something like that, I think will just be better in the long term. And um, yeah, again, these these pink strip cards are are rare, right? Only sixteen. 7k packs so um if you can even get your hands on a rainbow foil version of these cards it's gonna be it's gonna be big in the future right and these cards will always be playable oh without a doubt yeah and it's kind of interesting to think like what will go up you know because games like pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, they have a charizard or they have a blue eyes white dragon or dark magician or whatever but a game like Magic, it doesn't have that flagship hero card. It doesn't have that flagship IP monster that they're looking at. And a weird card that just was a resource generator, Black Lotus, is like the, the poster child for, you know, Magic collectors, right? So it's just weird to think in through that lens, like, what's going to be the Black Lotus of Flesh and Blood? And it could be something like E-Strike, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. I've always thought of it more as the uh, the spring tunic myself, um, but I know some people have even considered the heart of Fiendel as like that yeah. the black lotus. So I think that's kind of the interesting thing is like it it may not even be like one card. It could be a collection of cards. Which well, it's like your power nine. You have your power nine of fab. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But it's something that changes. It's something that definitely changes over time. And like you know something that i think has like kind of fallen off the radar for a lot of people was like a card like last ditch effort which was something that i've kind of put on my speculation goggles on for this one uh and i've actually bought i don't even know what that card does hold on i gotta i gotta look it up i'm sorry i'm still <laughs> speculation I'm still goggles player. we got hold a new on. piece of equipment baby <laughs> okay so for those that don't know we'll we're, we're pulling it up here um you know last ditch effort it'll be on the screen as well yeah last ditch effort it came out in welcome to wraith um, it is in the super rare slot. Um, so when you play Last Ditch Effort, if you have no cards in your deck, it gains four attack power and go again, and it hits for four already, right? And it costs three to play, and it's a blue pitch. So, like, just a card that not a lot of people have been really looking at. It's kind of a kind of a weird card. Um, you know, when we play Flesh and Blood especially now like i don't think we're necessarily looking to fatigue decks entirely and mill out everything in existence but um so, uh, a hero that was looking to play this in the past was chain um possibly and it maybe been a little bit hyphy of a deck since you can kind of pitch stack and see where the end of your deck's going so i think with the uh the prospect of a new shadow rune blade hero coming um i think that this card could be playable 
And considering that it's not only Alpha, but Welcome to Wraith, and it's at $6, while, you know, other cards for their non-foil variants are like $25 for Alpha Welcome to Wraith. Um, yeah, I think that, that not only is it undervalued because it's generic, but it, it could be super playable. And uh, I definitely picked it up as a buying opportunity, um, just with purchasing Alpha and having more time on my hands, so... No, I think that's like part of the beautiful thing of not having set rotations is that like surface level, this card is so bad, last ditch effort, you're just like, oh, on its best day, it's a zero for eight, you know, Wounded Bull's already that, but, uh, or a three for eight, sorry, Wounded Bull's already that, but it's like unknown synergies in the future, right? Like you said, a future Shadow Runeblade could just make this card go crazy price. And that, that Runeblade might even come out for 10 more years, right? What if 10 years down the line that Runeblade comes out? This card could be a $100 super, you know? You don't know. Hold the line, Jonathan. Hold the line. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm holding it. I'm holding it. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm strong enough, Gabe. <laughs> for 10 years, you got that. You got that. It's easy. Man. Well, the thing you have going for you is even if you wanted to sell them, I'm not sure you could. No one wants it. <laughs> It's only like twenty five cents, right? It would just be bold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the uh, the unlimited, I, I would only. Oh, well, you're saying the alpha? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I would only make a play on the alpha right now for this card, just because like uh, it does have the rarity aspect going for it. Um, you know, uh, just in general, Toma Fiendel for a non foil, it was like close to seventy dollars a pop for uh, you know non foil majestics, right? But mm -hmm. the the, You're saying for the alpha one? Yeah, so for the alpha last ditch effort rainbow foil, it was around the same price. It was eighty dollars a card for rainbow foils. So I bought a playset of those. Oh wow, okay. And like just just generally speaking, for rainbow foil super rare, since super rares essentially hit as often as rainbow foil majestics and welcome to Wraith, uh, and those rainbow foil majestics go for one thousand dollars for the enlightened strike, um, and then for some of them they go for 120 a pop for rainbow foil super rares uh regardless of class i think that just being a generic in general and being a super rare foil um there could be opportunity in it now i'm not saying like you know liquidate your assets and and buy cardboard rectangles that is that you know that's that's not what i'm telling you it's just something that i've looked at as uh, a possible buy opportunity again like most of the money that i've actually put into um Flesh and Blood recently with Alpha has been revolving around pink strips and pink strip rainbow foils. So I definitely think that's more of a play just because like, um, but you know, pink strips have gotten to the point where they're not even bulk, like they can't even be considered bulk anymore. And like at a certain point of this game, the Welcome to Wraith Alpha bulk is not, you know, it's not your typical bulk, so. Oh yeah, no, most definitely. It's just like with Alpha, with uh, or even Beta or Unlimited for Magic, the lands, like the basic lands, like not even considered bulk. You can grade those and get a pretty penny. <laughs> crazy, it's crazy. Yeah, for sure. I would love to be able to to buy one of these booster boxes for a, you know a really reasonable price sometime in the future. Mm -hmm. But um, just right now, I think there's a lot of opportunity in singles, and um, you know oh, why yeah. a lot of people are keeping their eye on. Um, some of the more recent stuff like Dynasty that's coming out and like, you know, looking to purchase things like Marvel's there. I mean, when you're looking at um, possibly purchasing a Majestic Marvel Rock for $100, or you could get the non-foil for, for two bucks, and then, you know, <laughs> the difference you could just put into something else that a lot of people aren't looking at, but we yeah. know is popular. 
So, you know, there could no, there could always be opportunity there. So, um, just something that I've been considering during the offseason. No, I love that. Do you own any, do you own any alpha stacks well? I or don't. Of that nature? No, I don't. But hearing Jonathan talk about it, he, yeah, he does make some good points. Uh, I just looked up Snatch while he was talking about it, and I'm like, that's, that's not terribly priced. <laughs> yeah, so, like, you know, unfortunately, Snatch has, like, it's $20 of a pop i feel like for the non-foil reds and the foil is 125 yeah yeah so like um before worlds happened that was that was actually what i was looking to buy so i bought most of the reds uh non-foils and um even the rainbow foils so yeah um just with how much i play briar and all that kind of stuff it's like those cards you know they're good and like something that you know i think is almost kind of like a crime of how cheap it is <laughs> um so you know anyone listening you know this, this you may go in and buy some of these but um scar for a scar pink non foils um those are going for around like five dollars a pop some of them even less like i don't know that just feels like a really good buy uh, considering how much people are playing scar for a scar now and how much that card will probably be be seeing play in the future just because a zero for four go again is going to be huge in this game so five dollars a pop um for for a bit of history i think is is definitely worth it considering how much people are willing to put into to flesh and blood in general so um that's that can be the case for something like unmovable that is also five dollars a pop and you know as far as generic defense reactions that block tall that's our only option Otherwise, we're stacking two zero for fours, right? <laughs> like, like that's the thing, right? Is like there's some of these cards that it's like they, they may not be seeing like a ton of play right now, but like, there aren't any other options for for good value cards like that are that old and that rare. Um, so I think there's a little bit of opportunity there, and I, I, you know, just to keep the list going, I think Pummel would also be another great card oh yeah pummel's just so fun i mean like it feels yeah best. i mean command and comp pummel is just the the nastiest combo the in the game and yeah i i think it it should go <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i love that oh okay let's see so saxo when you're um so since you're newer to the game with like newer sets are you planning on like collecting the cards like you know just building up an arsenal of everything you can play or do you plan on just like investing it? Because I know you talk about the market watches. Like for yourself, what's your personal goal with the market watches? Honestly, I just seen that there was a hole for that content. And I, 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 I would watch and enjoy that content for other games. And I just felt like this game needed it. And so I started making it not, I mean, I'm doing the research and I'm looking at the market myself mm -hmm. anyway. So I might as well just record it and put it on YouTube. Uh, just so other people have easier access to the content. And I really like Flesh and Blood, and I really want it to grow. And I think it's in the, the early stages still. And I don't even think it's hit its big boom yet. And, um, you know, I, I want to get it to that point. I want to help get it to that point. I want to help Fab reach a larger audience. Yeah, that's that's interesting that you kind of mentioned that. Because, like, I feel like there is, like, some sort of, like, a historian role um, within this game that will be, like, really important and, and vital to have. Because, like... Um, just with how like kind of the older sets worked and unlimited and alpha and all that kind of stuff like even now like buying first edition cards from people like can kind of be difficult because they'll send you the unlimited 
Right, right. I, well, I used to think the same thing because there's not a lot of, a lot of, not a lot of information out there. You see the solid circle at the bottom, and you're like, oh, it's first dead. Yeah, exactly. And it's like a lot of that changed, like with Welcome to Rave and uh, Arcane Rising, which is why, like, I kind of pushed towards buying a lot of those first edition sets because, like, if if people in LGSs that have been around for a while and that I know invest in this game, if their employees can't even get it right, then like there might, I don't know, there might be less of this stuff or even more buying opportunities in other areas because people don't know what they're selling. So where like, mm -hmm. there's, there's like a heck of a lot of opportunity there. So like, just that that confuses people. And then like, you know, with Crucible of War, how they changed it to where first edition was the filled in circle. <laughs> and then uh, Unlimited was like the ring. Like, I don't know. Even that level of confusion, it just it just messes with people's minds, and like. And then now it's not even a first edition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, being able to like know that and navigate around cards like in in previous sets, I think will be more important as time goes on. So um, you know, again, I'm already seeing kind of the ramifications of that. I, I again, I've been buying first edition cards, and like they'll send me unlimited, and I just have to you know send it right back. So it's unfortunate, but um, it could. It could spell opportunity. Yeah, another another uh, spot that that's lacking is I told you guys I somewhat recently started playing, and there's like a lot of old promos that I like and I want to pick up. Like just for example, the Rainbow Heroes. Why are some Rainbow Heroes three, four, five hundred dollars, and then some Rainbow Heroes like Prism are five dollars? Well, it's <laughs> like, well, it's complicated. They were all promos for different armories or different callings or whatever, and it's just like there's not a good record of where they all came from. I just, I just want the Scarfer Scarfer almost. Right, yeah. I, like, I don't even know where those sick. came from. <laughs> I think it was Team Covenant yeah. or one of those. Yeah, that's that, that was Team Covenant. So uh, unfortunately, I think those are, <laughs> those are in the hands that that want them. Um, per oh god, they're so good though. <laughs> per personally, for me, I don't really like that promo. Um, the only Team Covenant promo that I've like really just been been hype on was the sap promo that just came out um mm -hmm. i just love that they're like kind of putting wizard into like this whole like groovy psychedelic vibe kind of thing <laughs> and like i don't know like i'm gonna start playing it more because of that so no, i love that i also I like um oh, no, go ahead, sorry no that's my bad oh no i don't even like that uh that they get special promos to give out how is that even fair because it puts you in this weird spot it's like well i want to support my lgs but I don't want to just not get a promo, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that kind of brings up another topic that I've been mulling about recently. It's not <laughs> it's not fully fleshed out, um, but just in general, like, I, I've been kind of disappointed with how LSS has handled, like, these extended art cards. Because, as, as you mm -hmm. mentioned, Staxwell, like, they're given certain content creators these cards, um, and it seems like they just give them out whenever to to whoever but there is like a, a short list that you know seems to constantly receive them as well as they're printing out majestic versions in the sets and those seem to like you know whenever they hit the market they they start at 100 but they always go down to like 20 or less <laughs> like you know the longer that they've been out and then they expect us to go to these armories and like you know settle with one promo for you know, ten dollar event or what what have you, but like, you know, there's there's not a shortage of these extended art cards that we're seeing like in in more recent times, and in, in all honesty, they seem to be a bit overprinted. 
Um, but like some of the older ones that are like kind of underprinted or like, you know, were printed in the early 2000s when like, you know, they thought their game wasn't going to, you know, it was going to take a little bit more time to get, get rolling. Like yeah. there, there is opportunity there, but like, yeah, I've just been kind of disappointed with like the extended arts and like, I don't know. I feel like they need to like stop handing out as many to the content creators and let mm -hmm. it be an LGS thing. No, most definitely. But that's just yeah. My another kind of I don't know. They give it to the content creators that are just the biggest, and not even like they give it to Alpha Investments, who isn't even like a passionate flesh and blood player. He's not even a flesh and blood YouTube channel. You know, he's a Magic YouTube channel that will touch on flesh and blood sometimes, and it's just like. I don't know. It's just clearly for just promotion, you know. Yeah. Here's a... no. I definitely think they. Should... Yeah. Sorry. Oh, dude, Gabe. I'm no. You you go, man. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna bounce <laughs> off of what you said. Like, it should go to the stores because, like, flesh and blood is meant to be flesh and blood, not content creators. Like, the goal of the game was to get people in stores and playing and meeting, and online content creators not necessarily do that. Like, they don't provide the venue for people to build the game and grow the game. They just shell it all right so this is kind of this this topic's also hot off the presses so like i'm gonna i'm also gonna ask questions but like generally from what i understood rudy is not like we don't know how much he's invested into the into the lss but he is an investment mm -hmm. partner with lss correct yeah no i'm fairly positive the th i'm not sure I don't know. I, as far as i understood he was partially invested but um mm -hmm. i mean no, I'm pretty. I'm pretty positive. The first couple of videos, when he even if up. he isn't, for how much LSS has not only given him but put into to his channel, and how much you know that that symbiotic relationship has worked, I have been really surprised with all the MTG30 videos that he's released. That the first video where he mentions another TCG in general, it's freaking Pokemon, and not Flesh and Blood. Right. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I've been like a little shocked because like even like. Even like the Magic Historian, when he's talking smack about you know MTG Thirty, he he's getting in packages from MetaZoo that are like sponsoring him. So like when he live streams like outside of his major videos, which he also promotes, you know, he's he's showing off. Oh, here's MetaZoo, right? Like here's something else you can park your money while you know while you stay mad at MTG. And it's like I, I feel like. For for it being like the best time to kind of put eyes on our game, like I, it does kind of shock me a little bit that someone who is a maybe investor and definitely mm -hmm. a uh, a big part of the game, how they haven't really been able to even say a word about flesh and blood. Yeah, so. that makes so much more like it's it's like I don't know. That's what they should be doing, right? Like the best play they could have. Well, like, give them like some special promo to give out during these times. Right. I mean, yeah, from my perspective, I do the market watches. And part of the reason I do it is because, you know, I want people investing in this game. And I want people getting the most bang for their buck for it, right? So when I tell people, oh, Dynasty's coming out, you guys should buy a case. I have to mention, oh, you should probably buy a case from uh, one of the featured content creators that you'll get a special extended art version of a card from. And then, so I make a video and I put it out, and then I have someone at my LGS say like, oh, well, where do I even go to get that? I'm like, oh, well, Alpha Investments has, you know, they have an extended art promo or whatever that you could get. Well, who's that? You wouldn't know, because they don't make flesh and blood content. <laughs> right? And then to even, like, get his stuff, you have to be a patron. So you have to do, like, another 
hurdle, but then he doesn't have his, he has his Patreon clothes. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. There's only so many spots like in his Patreon that you can even that you can even get it. From. Dude, and that stuff sells out pretty quick too. I'm curious. Oh, it does. I'm curious on how many. It took me like three months to get Dude, one. That guy, he's making money hand over fist. But yeah, I, as far as like an exclusive, um, an exclusive item for Dynasty, the, the one that I was looking at was that <laughs> Leave No Witnesses. But like, I feel like all like the the thirsty, the thirsty guys that are into card games. <laughs> once that, right. once that card got <laughs> okay, spoiled. but it looks so good. It looks so good. Yeah, like yeah, put a white-haired girl with like green eyes on on anything, and it's like <laughs> yeah, you'll get all the anime lovers. Like, oh my god. I, yeah, and Yu-Gi-Oh, we would call that waifu tax. Any card that had a waifu <laughs> on it, you had to pay a premium for. Uh, I don't know if you consider these waifus because they're not like specifically anime, but you're still paying that tax for that kind uh, of Yeah, for sure. I mean, like talking about the extended art majestics, like Iron Song Pride is like fifty dollars, and the other ones are like at <laughs> twenty or thirty because it's like. Right. Is that because people love Dory, or is that the waifu tax? I don't actually know. Probably yeah, both. It's we're gonna have to hop both of those topics off there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Back to the content creators, like giving out the promos. Do you know if TCG had one this time around? No. I'm sure they have a they couple good ones. I didn't see them do one. Because I seen. Or are you talking about like uh, how Breaking Point was theirs last time? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Exactly. And they do the play mats occasionally. Yeah, I didn't see anything. If there was, I missed it, and I have like yeah. email notifications on for them, so I doubt I right? missed it. So I was kind of surprised about that too, that somehow they didn't make the mark this time around. Yeah, I'm right. I'm curious yeah. about that, but may, I don't know. Maybe it was like something to do with like you know the whole channel fireball TCG player thing. Maybe <laughs> maybe right. LSS needs to like you know you know redo the contract so uh, because Could it's be. now they're they're you know one entity and all that kind of stuff. So um, maybe we'll see something with the the next major set release. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, maybe just because it was smaller and supplemental, not as much stuff to go. So around. now this is just like we can we can move past this point pretty quickly. But like uh, I was talking to a, I was talking to a friend, and he was saying that the next the next major set, how crazy would it be if they did a Monarch two, <laughs> and that's how they release the new Prism and Chain. That'd be sweet. I would love that. I would love to play Chain. And then they can expand. Yeah, I can see. They it. can expand upon the talent of Shadow and Light, but for two new classes as well. That'd be sweet. Right, it'd be like a return to Monarch. Yes. Yeah, you get the set. you get the two new heroes, and then you get two new classes with new talents, right? And it's like that'd be pretty sick, right? But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the tinfoil hat is just like on everybody's head during off season because like <laughs> you know, that's when we're all kind <laughs> of you know it. we're stewing, we're stewing. Well, they've Without confirmed that, that a, a Shadow Runeblade and a Light Illusionist are coming next year, right? Yes, but we don't know whether that's going to be in the expansion set next year or if that's going to be like in a product like Classic Battles, how they did mm -hmm. um, Dory versus Reinar. They could release oh. they could release Classic Battles Chain versus Prism, but like for the new heroes. Yeah, that's a good idea. They actually might do that. I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, and then they can include the adult hero and the the young hero in cold foil or uh, rainbow foil, right? Depending on how they want to release those. But uh... yeah, but like uh, with that being said, like they need to really figure out how they're hand going to handle these adult hero cold foils in the future because, like, you know, they have them for some pro quests, some pro tours, and mm -hmm. then like. 
then all of a sudden it's like for this one you just get a freaking coin and some sleeves <laughs> yeah at least a metal fab yeah that, that one was kind of disrespectful man it feels like, like this next season is just a gold token. yeah it's a slap in the face because it's like you know especially when like it felt like a lot of the reason why people were playing like really heavily in the beginning was like because like the extended art rainbow foil tunics that were out and then like these cold foil heroes that were like 200 to 300 dollars a pop and now they're like gone and like i don't know people God. are you know people aren't people notice this stuff right like <laughs> right oh man see someone should have asked that to james white during the questionnaire well we didn't know what was coming in the in the uh True, but they didn't the do price. it for the ProQuest Season 2, so they could have asked Yeah, that. where's my where's my Rainbow Foil Extended Art Arcanite Skullcap? Ooh, I didn't even That's think of that. That's a good question. Yeah. Like, it's a great question. I don't know. Like, I got a lot of great questions, guys. You should you should tune in more often. Right? <laughs> that's the best we can do is a dull cap. Uh, but, like, that's the thing is, like, oh, they... You know, these these cards are important to people and like they've shown that hey we we had like a thing going like we had an idea but we just scrapped this one right mm -hmm. so like i don't know like i feel like the an extended art rainbow foil arcanite skull cap and an extended art rainbow foil crown of uh crown of providence like those could be something in the pipeline for major events that could generate a lot of hype um it would be sweet. Yeah, and I feel Providence is so. And sweet. And I feel like, like heck, like a cold foil Arachne would have been like a great, oh, it, a great yeah. handout for top eight at this this next ProQuest. I thought that that was like a shoe, and I thought that that was just a given. I didn't even think it was up for debate. And then they said, "Oh no, it's just sleeves." It's like what? <laughs> or heck, you know, like release your release your rainbow foil emperor. And then your Marvel Emperor, get rid of the cold foil slot Ooh. in the middle and make that your prizing for another yeah. event. It's like they're they're wasting like these slots, I feel like. Uh I, I don't know. I, I don't want to sound like too much of like a salty like flesh and blood player because like or even investor because like most of what I want to do is just play this game for you mm -hmm. know as cheap as possible and then collect the stuff that I enjoy outside of that. But like it, it does feel like there there's some inconsistencies that we've seen just with um, their promotional model and um, some of these set releases that I think could do a, with a little bit of work or revising. No, for sure. I mean, like, because what, Nationals, that's when they did Defy and Icelander and Dromai. Kind of forgot about that. Because, like, do you think they do Arachne and all those then for uh, the next National? Yeah, those ramp. Well, I think... Those rainbow foils will have a new set, right? Yeah, we should have we should have a new set. But those rainbow foil yeah, so uh, adult heroes for Phi, Icelander, mm -hmm. and Dromai, like those rainbow foils are like 120 or so, like a pop because they were only handed out at the world premiere event. Yeah, and then like, but like previously, the rainbow foil heroes were like either given out as promos at armories or handed to you at like buy a case <laughs> buy a case promos uh with unlimited right so like mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like there's some things that like i think lss has not necessarily figured out how they want to do these promos and it feels like whoever the promo guy is, is just like 
all right i'm just gonna i'm gonna change it up every every set right and it's like you know you can just like have a plan and structure for this and then like once you create that structure and those rules it basically manages itself and then mm-hmm. and then you can focus on your other job too which we would love to see t-shirts and like right? baseball hats but it's like all i'm saying is that like deck boxes it, it all i'm saying is that this stuff could do with a little bit of structure at the end of the day right so i liked how they did the the promos for uprising the rainbow heroes were promos for entering big tournaments and the cold full of heroes were promos for winning rtn i thought that that was a really clean way to do it and i thought that that set the standard moving forward but then they surprise us with some sleeves. <laughs> yeah, I'm over the sleeve stuff. Um, I don't know how much longer that deal with Dragon Shield is going to go for, um, for those unique sleeves. But, um, you know, I say that with like my heart of my heart of Fiendel sleeves over here. Right, you got a box. Yeah, right? yeah, but like, I mean, like, I'm kind of over the sleeves now. Um, they, you know, sleeves only last for a couple events. So. Mm hmm. Yeah, all mine are still sealed in my closet. I don't know what I'm ever do with them. Yeah, yeah. I threw mine. In, I threw mine on the ground pretty hard. <laughs> Eric's like, you won't drop those. I'm like, bet. <laughs> <laughs> now they're just in a pile. That's how the worst decisions happen. Right, the worst or the funnest, the memorable, the greatest. Yeah. So like that's um, like, in all honesty, though, like out, outside of just like competitive rulings and stuff like that like very what i would consider very minor things the only like things on my checklist that i really want lss to improve upon is like scheduling out these big tournaments give us more than six months advance let us know where they're at so we can book our stuff mm-hmm. and then like the promos like the promos have just been like i don't know what's going on with that situation so I would love for LSS to actually stick with something and and go with that moving forward. Because I think that kind of, you know, it paints an expectation. And I think when you don't meet that expectation as well, like, you know, you start having problems. So. No, without a doubt. Yeah, I thought so, Uprising was perfect in every way. Like everything about Uprising was just perfect. The way they did the promos. The rarities, everything about that set was just beautiful to me. So the armory promos included, they had the Seeing Ember's Blade, the Waning Moon, the Storm Sentai, mm-hmm. like it was perfect. And then out of nowhere, they're just like, oh, Yoji. It's like, what even is Yoji. <laughs> and then it's like Quicksilver Dagger. It's like, I don't even want I don't want these cards at all. Yeah, man. I I remember when they were like, yeah, we're going to have a Starvo for Dynasty, right? after mm-hmm. uprising I and so i was excited. like oh there's gonna be like they're gonna make someone draconic and then they come out with Ar- arachne and it's just like wah wah <laughs> yeah. i know right i was like oh i'm so stoked do you think they might make the emperor ever like a cc hero like they did with icelander at everfest no he's dead he's assassinated i think that they're well, what if he's like that? reanimated or something they i have, think that's how they introduced that. the necromancer class actually that... i was talking with my friends about this that could be oh, sweet. Oh, yeah, that sounds on. like something they would do, man. All right. Like a necromancer hero could reanimate the emperor as an ally or something. <laughs> I, I think it's <laughs> I think it's sweet. so funny that you say that cuz like 
a lot of like our speculation on like necromancer like within our internal team has been around like oh you know where they're probably going to bring necromancer in is when they go to the savage lands but like with the announcement that they're only going to focus on like talents and classes that have been already released from like here forward like it's just like the the drums of the savage lands that it felt like they were close <laughs> but like they keep getting pushed out like a year back every time like just quieter and quieter yeah. they're fading so like, i am curious when we are going to get that necromancer because I, I i do want to see it i i thought it'd be you know partnered in with the savage lands which i was hoping would be this next year but i don't think it's happening uh, anytime soon do we know when they announce the next set or where it'll at least take place at because you'd imagine that'd be soon right i haven't looked at the website for that and uh yeah i feel like that's the only place we would get that information from but i i would imagine sometime in q1 or q2 um probably in, in yeah. probably end of q1 is okay or beginning of q2 is when i would expect for a set release to happen um just because you know we are kind of getting through our pro quest season in in january yeah. so i expect that there would be an announcement soon if there isn't one already Almost definitely. Sweet. Any other great topics we want to go over, guys? No, I think I've I think I've voiced most of my grievances. <laughs> I love the grievances. <laughs> yeah, we've been a... bashing the game the whole time, but I, I do love I do love flesh and blood. Yeah. And all these complaints I have would be ten times more in any other TCG, you know. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. the thing. No, it's a great the game. The problems that that we mention, and that, especially that I mentioned specifically, it may seem like I all I do is complain, but at the end of the day, it's it's something that I'm passionate about. Um, I haven't stopped buying cards, and um, you know, hopefully, we'll have some videos of of you know what I'm opening and yeah, what, what we're investing in as a team. So, so um, you know, this is a game that we love. Um, it's just that you know just with all new things and all games like there are some pricing issues that that come up or um, just issues with certain rules or you know that kind of regulation so i think it's just important to air those and then uh you know move forward from there so you know it, it's just important not to keep on harping on the same topics over and over and over again right that would be awesome to get a team snape collection video and just mm -hmm. see all of your stuff <laughs> I, I won't show everything, yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's under lock and key. It's so cool. <laughs> I just like looking at cards, so I want to see. Yeah, that yeah, cool. for sure. I think that that's something that like a lot of people don't necessarily do um, is really show off their collections in this game. I think Saint does it a little bit, but like you know, I I think he doesn't. He tries to not be too big of a shill. I think. Right. So, yeah, I think it's good on him, but uh, I do. Uh, I do plan on, you know, doing some experiments on um, just uh, opening up, you know, Mail Dave video stuff. So, yeah, what cards Ben test better than others? Just the classics. Do Fables Ben the same way Legendaries do? You got tested exactly. <laughs> it's it's needed to know. I'm from my experience, they bend a lot worse. You know, um, just kind of as like a final final topic, something that like I would love to open is a. Um, a fake, a fake card. Yeah, that would be sweet. Blake did get the pleasure. I he feel did. like there have been like a couple fake card videos that came out, and they were all kind of centered around Arcane Rising Unlimited specifically. Mm -hmm. um, and those, it seemed to be the biggest one. 
but I've looked at every single card that I've purchased like since that ha started happening. I haven't found like a single fake card, and I've I've really been aiming for it. So I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping one of these days. Out the yeah, exactly. So. Oh man, yeah, no, it's it's possible. Maybe one of these days we'll get lucky and buy fake cards. Well, uh, yeah, I think <laughs> I think so. That would be so lucky. <laughs> I would be so grateful just to have my hundred dollar card be not real. <laughs> I mean, look, you can always get a refund, but I just I. I <laughs> I want to see one with my my two eyes, you know. I just yeah. I need to. No, I, I need that. to know. Feel it, smell it, lick it. I need to feel the disappointment oh, myself, right? <laughs> oh god, so, yeah, that's fair. So with that being said, um, um, Saxwell, do you have any uh, socials or anything that you want to shout out before we close? Uh, just my just my team YouTube channel. It is Team Blade Break. Uh, but that's really it. That's all I want to shout out. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. It was, a, it was a pleasure. Oh, for sure. No, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thank you so much. I could yeah, talk flesh and blood all day, so if I get to jump on here and help you guys out, that's even better. <laughs> too good, too good. Well, thanks for listening, watching, subscribing, everyone out there that tunes into this. We appreciate you greatly. Till the next time, keep fabbing. Thanks.